Welcome back, Inebriates. This is Andy, the Inebriate Bog. Oh, Jesus Christ. How many episodes are we in? How still- now, Brown? Let's how, how now. Okay. <laughs> it's 164. Unique New York. <laughs> <laughs> the Human Torch was denied a bank loan. Wow, that's, I haven't heard that one. Isn't that one that he does <clears throat> from... Uh, I thought you were doing <laughs> Weatherman. I was. Oh, uh, yeah. It isn't. I don't remember that I'm one. I'm pretty sure that's one there. Yeah. <laughs> Tip my mind. I can't see it. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> screens. Better? <laughs> This is all going to be on the podcast, by the way. Is it? Oh, sure, because that's how we roll. (laughs) Uh, So welcome back, Inebriarts. This is Andy of the Inebriart Podcast, getting the intro right for once. Um, And so it's been almost 10 years since I moved to Plymouth, and I gush about Plymouth all the time. And one of the things that first got me into loving Plymouth was Lucioso's uh, Pub, and that's where I saw today's guest for the first time. He was playing with Steve Mazetta, if I remember correctly. This is going way back. Stevie. And uh, so we're here with Jackson Weatherby of The Elevators. Uh, What's up, guys? Thanks for uh, coming on today. And hey, Thanks for having me. Um, so initially when I started, you were kind of like on my short list of like local people because I'm like, oh, you know. Uh, at the time, it was easier to get you. And uh, I kind of was like, oh, you know, I know people who know him and whatever. But uh, you guys are kind of blown up. Uh, The elevators seem to, like, really be taken off. Uh, How does that feel? Like, is that what – is this kind of like a surprise? Or were you like – was there – when you guys formed, was there something where you're like, oh, this is it? So um, the group kind of started with uh, Nick Asta, the drummer, and I had a conversation in a bar. And I'd been wanting to do a reggae project for a long time. And um, he was like, hey, we should do a side reggae project sometime. And I was so down. And from the, from the start, we wanted to get people that were, like, young and were definitely ready to tour mm-hmm. and didn't have a whole lot of things tying them down. Because we didn't want any excuses when it came to the time of, like, we definitely wanted to go and tour. And we yeah. wanted to blow this thing up as big as we could. And so, yeah, that's kind of So you kind of put the band together to avoid those like oh well i have a three-year-old that kind of yeah yeah because you know? yeah. <laughs> i mean you hear that all the time is like these bands have been like oh you know we started to kind of you know catch fire and then you know the bassist had a kid right. and so we had to get a new bassist and then you know right that and some of us have blood. kids in the band but yeah but we all take this seriously enough to to consider it a career and um you know it's really all just about goal setting and then doing whatever you can to achieve those goals. So obviously, like you shoot for the moon, but you have realistic goals on the way up. Yeah. And so, you know, just little things like trying to sell out like a local show, or for us, we wanted to record an EP, and so we found a sick reggae producer down in um, Maryland for our, in College Park for our first album, and we just were like, let's just use him, and we drove down there and we just did it right. And we got hooked up by a manager named Dr. Dread for a little while. And the next goals were like, okay, let's sell out a show in the city and let's go on tour. So, you know, we started renting buses and we realized quickly that that's not cost effective to go to Verk Rentals and, and, rent, a and bus. rent a bus for a weekend and you come back owing money. <laughs> and so then you're like, fuck, we need a... Oh, you're going to charge me for the mileage too? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. No, it's all in state, I promise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you... Uh, so then our goal is like, let's buy a tour bus. And so then you go looking for old, you know, utility vans And then or it whatever. becomes, let's buy a tour bus that runs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then that tour, that tour bus that runs has too many problems. And you're like, man, let's get, 
a tour bus with bunks and like something you know we can cut down cost on um, hotel rooms if we can just sleep on the bus and so right. now that's what we do we sleep every night on tour we pull into planet fitness and half of us have the black card memberships where you can bring a free guest anywhere in the country yeah and so we sleep in planet fitness parking lots and then, and we then w- you like shower there and shower stuff. there and we wake up in the morning and like get a workout in and shower again and then we head to but that's that's really fucking smart yeah you know that that's thanks <laughs> well it is but it's it's like you know you, you don't really think about that's the kind of the business side i think a lot of people just kind of miss you know i've said it before you know visual artists or musicians you know they train and they learn their their trade but sometimes you need that kind of business class to be like well where can you save some money you know yeah i mean i don't have a business degree but it just kind of seemed like common sense like you start looking at the impossibility of touring and you figure out ways to make it possible yeah and like i said it's just goal setting you know let's sell out some show in the city so we sold out a show at the st Clair last year yeah it was like five weeks before the show, which is pretty big for wow. us. Wow, yeah. Okay. And now we're selling out the Paradise, um, which is on January 25th. And I think we only have like 150 tickets left. Oh, and nice. And so it's definitely going to sell out yeah. beyond a month early. And they're offering us like a second night. And so it's cool. And you set those goals. And, um, you know, there's also something um, like the avalanche effect where when people kind of believe in you early on and then you – are achieving yeah. all these milestones they want to believe in you more mm-hmm. and as long as you don't plateau i feel like the avalanche just keeps going and yeah so for us we're just working working our butts off here to keep touring um touring with other national acts we have a, we just uh, announced a cool tour with one of our heroes pepper i don't know if you guys are pepper fans but no so they were like um when so i always like to say when sublime when bradley died pepper was around they're from hawaii and they live in san diego but they kind of carried that torch and i just i remember being in high school and like jamming out to pepper and pepper and slightly stupid and just being like man it'd be so cool to meet these guys someday and like i want to be i want to have a band like that yeah and now we're going on tour with them for a national tour so looking back if you had a time machine and went back to like little jackson like what would you tell them like Tell them just do your thing, homeboy, because <laughs> it's working so far. But is is has is there like a roadblock that's come along or, or something that? I mean, of course, there's always like yeah. hiccups. But um, there- I would say that life happens, and life happening is what kind of makes you. But just don't ever give up on your dreams. But also be be passionate and somewhat realistic of your dreams too. Like if you if you can't sing a lick or play guitar shouldn't stop you from learning to play guitar and everything but everybody has a dream and something they've always wanted to do and they've worked on yeah and don't lose that um because i was 19 and i was almost getting signed to universal records and i was like sitting in front of jay-z and la reed up in their offices and i thought you know they were just signing rihanna and ray la montana just come out with like his album trouble which is one of my favorite albums and i was wearing the shirt when i went up there and all the a&r people were like you know, you got a good ear, man. That guy's the man. And I thought I was getting signed and it fell through. And, um, I played in local pubs and bars all around Boston, you know, until I was like, what, 28 or something. And when we started the elevators and it's been, you know, it's been a lot of tremendous growth, but a lot of times during that, I was like, man, maybe I should stop being a full-time musician because just playing in pubs and bars every single night can be pretty depressing. 
and you're working on your craft and you're honing your skills and you're writing songs along the way but you never know when like you're um you're gonna get your shot yeah and it makes me sad for certain people who i i think are so talented and they give up because it's like man it could have been tomorrow that you got your opportunity right and also like that mentality of you never know who's listening in the crowd and or or at the little pub yeah yeah i mean that's like a really good point because um i've always said it's like you know you can go you know we've we've done events we've done things that have not been great mm-hmm. i don't want to call them failures but they're fucking failures i've failed so many yeah, times dude <laughs> but like someone happens to be there and we'll be like oh you know what else do you guys do or oh you guys do this why don't you come to my place and then right you know you fill another place and it's like make oh another good thing is make sure you're networking the whole time too yeah just meeting people and remembering who they are and um keeping in touch with them and just i i don't do it but i probably should like even like sending like christmas cards or like just like christmas texts like you know it's so funny doing well like we're coming up on christmas and i, I kind of had that same thought i'm like man do i send out christmas cards this year is this like the year that i should i wish do i had that? like a, a book a little notepad of like you know people that i love people that are influential friends and on things like that i would just send out a text to each of them yeah you know what i mean and i don't but i do network and i do kind of work that aspect for the elevators as best as i can and it helps um because the more people that you loop into your life and that are interested in what you're doing and you're interested in what they're doing i mean it's definitely not going to hurt yeah it, you know it, it's easier to have people kind of promote for you when they like you totally and yeah. it's easier to have people promote for you period because you know when you're shoving yourself down people's throats yeah it's not as um palatable as when other people are talking sure. about you for you. Yeah, yeah. Not be like, trick me out, I'm awesome. Right. Yeah, doesn't Which sell. I, <laughs> I know it turns me off all the time. Yeah. When I'm like hearing someone talk about themselves like they're their next greatest thing. I'm like, and sometimes they are awesome, you know what I mean? But the first, my first thought is always like, okay, bud. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's not. Let, I mean, even if they are awesome, it's still you still have that kind of taste of like. Let your work ethic and your product speak for itself a little bit. Yeah. And push it along the way. That doesn't mean don't hustle your ass off, but. There's a difference between like check out what I got going on and I'm the best, you know. Yep. So I think you're the first reggae artist I've had on. Why reggae? Um. So I grew up with my dad playing. And you grew, you grew up here in Plymouth, right? No, I'm not from Plymouth. Really? I grew up in. I was born in Georgia. Okay. And um, I I moved up here when I was young, and I grew up in Kingston. Oh. And then I oh, you're a Kingston guy. Fish, delete this. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> I graduated from Duxbury High School. Oh, okay. And we moved into my... Oh, great- so you're local. Local, yeah. yeah. We gra- we moved into my grandmother's, my great-grandmother's old house and um, when I was freshman in high school. And, you know, my dad just always played vinyl records when I was growing up. He loved Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, The Clash. Um, he was in the Marines and used to surf all around the world when he was in the Marines. And, oh, nice. Um, he's a wicked interesting guy. And he just, he loved reggae and it always, I always loved reggae too. And I loved like where the reggae direction was going with a lot of new reggae artists, like the Damian Marleys and Stephen Marley and like Chronics and stuff. And then um, when I moved to Duxbury, reggae and like, it was a crunchier town. Mm -hmm. So I went from Silver Lake to Duxbury and it was just a crunchier situation. Birkenstocks and people listening to Fish and The Dead and a lot of Bob Marley and I found out about Slightly Stupid and like Ben Harper and Jack Johnson and it like hit me. It was like this 
crazy freshman year where my whole life kind of changed based around music where I was like in dispatch like all these bands Ray Lamontane all these bands were like holy shit this music is like beautiful and so like groovy and it's not like I mean I love some like rock and roll and classic rock and shit too but this was something where it's just like all day long I could just like put it on and bob my head to it positive messages but it doesn't you know you can also tell stories through it I just loved it yeah and it was it's always been a part of my sound even with my own albums like the Jackson Weatherby albums Mm -hmm. part of creating the elevators um, was kind of like making um, one identity for my reggae side that was in my head like yeah because I felt like I had too much I was giving to people with my own name um, and like every night it could be a little bit of a different show where people would come and maybe want reggae or more of my singer songwriter stuff or whatever and so I was like you know what if I focus all my reggae energy into the elevators then the you know the future idea is to also keep putting out my more folky singer songwritery um, albums under my own name and just kind of give them both so structured identity in the elevators is there less pressure on you because it's you're like one of a group opposed to being like that guy up there um yeah there is and there's a little more i i do a lot of the songwriting for the elevators yeah we write in two ways we um i write songs on the on like my couch just on my acoustic guitar um or the band it, we all like get into a, a you know super funky groove our keys player might bring like some sick chord changes or mm-hmm. our, our guitar player has brought in a lot of cool aspects to the band with like check out this new riff i wrote and we build it around that and in that regard it's so much easier because basically anything that's sparking more inspiration makes it easier on you yeah um and in other ways i think it's been more difficult because i'm starting to see like the pressure of like people are really into us and we're you know we are um we are growing and becoming more popular. Yeah. And there's like a pressure of like continuing good product. Yeah. Where before, when you don't have that pressure, you just write, you know, I could write whatever I want. I could write about ham, eggs, and bacon in the morning. I wouldn't give a shit. It's like, you know what I mean? It's that could me. be a hit. You it's kind of for me. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but, maybe, but. Is, what was that song that um, G Love and Special Sauce have? Milk and Cereal. Is it? Milk and Cereal, Milk and Cereal. I think that might cereal be Cereal and Milk. Cold Beverages? Oh, I like cold. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. So you never know, man. You know, <laughs> it's so true. You never know. Yeah. But there is like a little bit of, um, and I don't, it doesn't stress me out too much. Yeah. It doesn't like keep me up at night. But definitely when I sit down to write songs with the elevators, I'm um, kind of thinking ahead more and like, what is the message we want to send? Because you start to get an identity and like people, we have a pretty positive message and we get people hitting us up saying like, man, I had a really tough year. Like you guys were a big reason why I got through it. And it's like, when you hear someone say that, you're like, Oof, like it's weird, right? Like it's weird. And it's yeah. also like, God, man, like you're so, I'm so thankful because it helped me. Like you, the songs came from me yeah. or like came from us. I should say the whole elevator is like, we feel like the, the heart and the, the soul behind the songs. But it's also like, wow, people out there are listening, but they're also like digesting it. And it's like, it's sticking with them. That's awesome. So it adds a little bit of pressure, but it's a it's good pressure. It's also like it's like fun to it's fun to be pushed a little bit and have to push yourself creatively. It, well, I think pressure like that can like I always 
people will be like, oh, hey, can you draw this for me and paint this for me? And be like, oh, when do you need it? And they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. And be like, well, you're not going to get it. Right. You know, if you don't give me some sort of pressure or deadline, right. that's just, it's not ever going to happen. Cause well, that's, that's it in life. And there's always a balance of being um, laid back, but with a deadline, right? Yeah. Like, be a nice guy, be laid back. It's all good, but I need this by the state. Right. <laughs> I, I was the kid that would, like, start a research paper, you know, like, four days before it was due. Right. I just got an okay grade, but I got it, you know, it's, got it I the, need I that. The same. Yeah. I need that deadline to kind of, like, so I'll put down the video game and do something. Right. Yeah. Nailed it. Same for me. Yeah. Deadlines definitely. I'm like a procrastinator and you know, the way I write mostly is like, I don't ever, I didn't ever used to sit down and just like try and write really. It would just, music has always been like therapy and just, um, what I like to do. Mm-hmm. But now there's definitely more of like a feeling of like deadline. You know, I have a lot of peers and friends that are like asking me to do like guest vocals on their, songs or you know um this ep that we just recorded an ep that'll be coming out to you guys in the near future to coincide with our pepper tour and um you know there's a lot of like pressure to be like hmm i gotta sit down and we gotta finish this album and i had uh, i had more help on this ep um from our, our drummer especially helped me out and our, our percussion player helped us out on this one song poison cup and then um, there's another song, Nostalgia. Started with the groove with the band, and then our drummer Nick had some killer lyrics, and um, so we put melody to it and finished it up. And we're really, really proud of that one. And um, it's just it's good it's good to have it's good to have a timeline. Yeah. And it's good to push yourself because then you have those songs you write when you're just like have all the time in the world and you're super flexible, and then you have the songs you had to finish, and it's. And at the end of the day, so far, they've all been pretty good for us. So so now that you're, you know, you have these deadlines and, and this pressure, even though, you know, it's good pressure, like, I dig my day job. I enjoy mm-hmm. it. But there's still days where I'm like, ugh, mm-hmm. I got to go to work. Do you, now that, like, music is your full-time gig and, like, is there ever those days where you're just like, oh, I don't really want to work today? So there, uh, we call it deep tour. Okay. When you go on the road, there's always a lot of excitement and gusto from everybody to be back out on the road. And it's also probably because we're seeing a lot of growth with us. So when you show up to cities you've never played and there's like a big crowd of people there to like and singing along with your songs. I've never seen these people or met them in my life and I can hold a microphone out towards a crowd and they're like singing lyrics back. It's a little... Oh, that's going to be really weird. It's so weird and it's also so humbling and yeah. beautiful. And um, like that hasn't plateaued at all. And so... You are just constantly tired on the road because you're, we sleep in bunks a lot of times when the bus is moving, and so every little bump startles you and wakes you up. Yeah. Um, but no one complains about that. The one thing that I've started realizing is when I come home from tour, it's like I need like a week off at least just to no gigs and just to sleep and like see my family and all my loved ones. Like it's just. Um, like I came back from this tour and I immediately jumped back into playing like a bunch of local gigs. Yeah. You know, I'm more than thankful for because honestly at this stage, that's what's putting like the money in my account to even be able to go on tour. Yeah. So without, without these people that are giving me like weekly gigs and also tolerating me being like, Hey, I'm going to be gone for like a month and a half, but I'll be back. And (laughs) I'll be back and looking for a gig. I can still keep my residency. Right. And there, I have so many people that believe in us that are allowing me to do that. 
but it is like when I get back and I have to go and play like a solo gig all by yourself. Yeah. There's also kind of like a, you're on tour, you're on a high, and then you come home and you're exhausted, and then you go play a and room like, with a like pub. twelve people. Exactly, <laughs> and it's. But at the same time, you're so thankful, and I've also been in the mindset where I can't complain about anything because I'm playing music for people. Yeah. And like, my hell on earth would be like sitting at a desk, like you know, typing into like a graph, you know. An Excel spreadsheet. An Excel spreadsheet. And then clock in, clock out every day. That is like, to me, I'd rather go join like some hippie commune and like live out in friggin' nature and like, you know, like have like <laughs> days to myself and be like, th- that idea of life is, do you seem like such a number? Yeah. You know what I mean? And just another, another ant in the colony. And I've never, that scares the shit out of me. When that you, kind of idea. When you go on tour, how long do you go for? Um, at least a month. Um, every now and then we have short runs or like two weeks, but this last one was like a month and a half. And then we also, I was home for like 16 hours and um, I didn't even really see anybody. And uh, the, the You had 16 hours in between your tour? And getting the studio. Oh, oh, oh okay. All right. Yeah. I'm so like, that's not really a break. <laughs> no, it's not. But it, you know what? It's kind of nice like that we, in a way it's kind of nice we got it done because now we have a break. We have like some local stuff. We have the big show um, at Paradise in January. And then we have until like February. February like 15th, we fly out to California for the One Love Festival out in some Southern California. And then we come home and then we go on tour with Pepper. Um, that starts like February 20th, I think, maybe. Something like that. So we come home, we have like two days off and then we go on tour with Pepper. And that'll be... For about six or seven weeks. For, yeah, six or seven weeks. And that'll be the longest tour we've ever been on. Yeah. And, are there um, points where you wake up and you're like, what fucking city are we in? Yep. <laughs> what day is it? What time is it? Yeah. Because lo- real life rules don't apply on the road. It's like, you know, you get done playing and you, you get to a plan of fitness at like one thirty or 2.30, sometimes 3. And sometimes I can't sleep because you're like bumping around the bus. So I'll go in and I'll get a quick workout and a shower and you go to bed at like 4 a.m., then you wake up at like 11 a.m. and the bus is moving again. And when you get into that deep tour, like we like yeah. to call it on the bus, um, it's just all about load in, load out, rinse and repeat. And uh, it's, you know, you get to experience so much, but at the same time, it's almost like sad because I'm like, oh, I've never been to this city before. Oh, I saw no part of the city. Yeah. St. <laughs> Louis. Oh, How are you? <laughs> Later. You know what I mean? It's almost like a high buy situation. Have you ever, and I'm sure, you know, I, I already told you how I'm terrible with names. I could see myself being like, welcome St. Louis, or, you know, thank you, St. Louis. And they'd be like, we're it's Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. It's happened to me. Yeah. Oh. And um, I'm not good with that kind of stuff anyway. I should probably have actually our tour manager, um, Alex Crowley, shout out to Crowley. I should probably have him like write it down on our set list every night what city we're in. Yeah, and like maybe something about the city. Wow, that's a good idea. So I can like, you know, at least cheat it a little bit. <laughs> cheat it, but also have them be like, "Hey, I know something about you guys." All right. At least because there's nothing more embarrassing than saying the wrong city. Yeah. Because a lot of these people are like, we put up our tour schedule and people are like, like we're for instance on this next tour with Pepper, we've never been to Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, Washington. And we have a bunch of people hitting us up like, we're so excited for the elevators to come to Seattle or Portland. Imagine the buildup for them. They're so pumped. They're like, their band that they've been into is coming to their city for their first time. And I get there, I'm like, what up, Chicago? <laughs> they're, in Seattle, they're like, 
fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> why are you guys booing? What's the problem? Right. And it's nothing against them, but um, it's just deep tour. Yeah. But like I said, just, um, you know, one thing that we're seeing a lot is we're meeting a lot of awesome people that are becoming more like family on the road. Um, our our bass player brought this term called Jamly. Jamly, okay. Jamly, he's um, from an awesome band called Treehouse, and he's he's the biggest road dog of all of us because he's been on the road for like nine years with his old band. Jesus. And then he joined our band. He moved up here from um, South Carolina, and actually our tour manager moved up here full-time from Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, he's actually how we got in contact with you guys because I met him at um, Soundcheck Studios. So. Oh, Crowley? Yeah. Oh, we just, got a, we just got a spot at Soundcheck. Uh, we keep our tour bus Super nice guys there. I know. Yeah, such a great venue. I know. I love those two brothers Yeah, and their families. They're awesome. They were doing a – Eric a and Andrew, shout out. Yeah. We were doing a, uh, they were doing a network event, and uh, Jeff Rosen's like, oh, you should swing by. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Um, Jeff's awesome. Yeah. Oh, Jeff's – wait, are we recording? I don't want to say nice things about Jeff on, on the <laughs> record. Um, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. But, uh, yeah, that's how, how uh, I kind of got in touch with you guys, got his business card and went from there. Yeah. Uh, so is it – how is that different from – I mean, at what point did you start having, like, a tour manager and you have a manager manager and – Man, like, it just like, – for I, us, it just – Falls into us like Crowley saw us play in Asheville, and then before we probably even really needed one, Crowley believed in us, and he was like, "I want to be your tour manager." And he's like, "I'm moving up to Boston." And I mean, I can't give Crowley and Link enough love for their bravery for doing that because I don't know that I could just move to another state on a whim and be like, "Gonna go try this out later." Yeah. And they did it with like you know both feet in, and um, they jumped right in, and. Uh, you know, so then we have a tour manager, and with the management... Now, does he have to stick it out on the bus, too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Crowley, is the, Crowley is the man. He sleeps on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. So he... Uh, anyways, so then the management, we were um, recording down in Virginia for Defy Gravity, our last release, and uh, Charlottesville, right around that area. We were in Louisa. And um, on our day off, our producer, Danny Kalb who we just used for this last EP as well. He's done a lot of cool stuff like Beck and Ben Harper. Oh, nice. And um, he went at lunch with, with Reed Foster, our manager, and told him who he was recording. And Reed was like, man, I keep hearing about this band. At the time, we were, well, we were the elevators by then because we were originally the cornerstone. Okay. Um, but we got sued by some band in Austria who also had the band. Oh, really? Yeah, they yeah. had the band named Cornerstone. And they sent us season to assist like Spotify, and they took all our music down. And we're like, man, we got to change our band name. So we changed it to the Elevators. But Reed was like, I keep hearing about these guys. And I think he was like, just send me the tracks when they're done or whatever. And Danny did. And then Reed reached out to me. He's like, hey, would you want to put this under the Root Fire Corporation, which is basically a zero interest co-op group that um, a couple of bands a year, it's really selective, but a couple of bands a year, they select um, an album that needs help mm-hmm. and they put a bunch of money behind it but they don't give you any cash they basically have all the like um they have the platform for how to make your album do well yeah and then they recoup all their money just on online sales so you get to keep like your physical copies and then the minute they're paid back they don't get any extra money they just like ask for your bank account routing info and all the money just goes into your account so it's like the most beautiful thing ever and Reed Foster owns Root Fire. Yeah. 
but he's also a manager under Ineffable Music Group. Yep. And um, so when we were about to put out Defy Gravity, he was like, you know, I had asked him before, and he's like, I don't know, you guys are like quite ready. And then when we were putting up Defy Gravity, he's like, hey, if you guys are interested in management, I think that we can probably have the discussion with Ineffable. And I was like, well, would you be our manager? And he's like, yeah. And I started crying. And I was actually loading, <laughs> I was loading into my Monday gig at Waterfront uh, Bar and Grill. Yeah. And I started like tearing up. And I was like, holy shit. Like, we just recorded an awesome album at an awesome studio with like, like a killing producer. And now we're getting signed to like, Ineffable has always been my favorite um, label in reggae. Yeah. They kind of like create solutions instead of complaining about problems in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then there you go. Then you have your manager. And we have a tour manager, and then we had, um, we were lucky enough to have some people invest in us, and we got a tour bus, and um, and here we are. Then we start getting on national tours with like bigger bands, like guys opening slots. And, and then you get on the Inebriar podcast. I mean, what more do you need? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about this deep tour thing. Yeah. Like, do you ever feel like the show is getting stale or kind of like i don't want to say you're phoning it in but you're kind of like doing the same in same thing do you, do you like how do you mix it up do you change the set list like how do you kind of keep it fresh it can feel a little routine but it never feels old to me um because you're on such an adventure and every night you have to have the mentality that this city hasn't heard this set before yeah and i mean i can't say maybe in like you know in 20 years if we're still playing like wind on my back i might be like over it a little bit (laughs) but you know we opened for shaggy this summer and it's like you know oh really it was on me it's like do you think that guy really loves playing that song anymore he might because when you see a huge crowd of people that are still singing it back to you yeah it's an amazing feeling so you know we're not a jam band and i don't take us as a jam band so it's like we have songs that people love and it's been helping us grow so i just feel fortunate that we're even on tour and being able to play those songs for people in different cities. So you're opening for Shaggy. Like, what, what has been like the most kind of imposter syndrome moment where you're like, I don't belong here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we've opened for like Ziggy Marley too. We've played festivals with like all the Marleys, I think, at this point. But um, all the all the main ones. But my, I don't know. Like, I've had I've had moments where I'm like. Not so much like I don't belong here, but I can't believe I'm here. Like, yeah. For instance, like Slightly Stupid has always been one of my favorite bands. And like they shared our music video to their, our song Meridian on their fan page. Which is like, a great on, on video. Their, on their Facebook page. Thanks. And um, shout out to Joe McCluskey for lending us all those cars and everybody else. And um, they shared it and they said, so nice. Even Mama played it twice. And like Slightly huh. Stupid's like a fan of like our music. That's awesome. Um, you yeah. know what I mean? And like when we play, sh- we open for them, and whenever we're around them, they like invite us on their tour bus, and I'm like on the tour bus, and like they know my name, and I'm like, this is so crazy. Because when I was in high school, I would have never thought like maybe I'd meet them or whatever. I'd say hi once, get a snap a picture, but right. They're like, I mean, they know who you are. There are like yeah, and it's it's weird. It's it's super super cool. You know we have um. Another band, uh, Stick Figure, and I are from the same town in Duxbury. And um, he's blowing up. He's they like, sound really familiar. Do they have like a sort of locally famous dog? Did they do a beer? 
Yeah. Am I like Coco. remember? Yeah. yeah okay. I remember, and, and they, they did, did like with a Wachusa Brewing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm not losing my mind. No. All right. And they're like one of the biggest uh, reggae bands in the country. They just did a, a sick European tour where you have the same label, and um, the main guy and that Scott Woodruff is um, always advocated for me and been a, a big supporter. And I can't give him enough love. He was uh, definitely singing our praises when when the question was being tossed around: Should we be signed to Ineffable? Yeah. And being on tour with him, we went on tour with him to the Midwest. And just playing like House of Blueses after House of Blueses after House of Blueses, and they're all sold out. And I'm like, man, like I knew him when I was sitting like freshman year and like freshman year in like history class, and like, his brother was in my grade, and his brother like passed me this like this CD, and he's like, yeah, this is my brother Scott. You should check this out, um, Willie. And uh, it's just those are those are big moments too. We're like, holy shit, like. And it also gives you so much hope because it shows that like it is possible. Yeah, you know, it seems impossible when you're younger, but it totally is possible. I had no idea Duxbury was such a reggae hotbed. You know, <laughs> I told you it's crunchy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's next? Like, what do you? What's like your next big? Like you said, kind of plan big but achievable. Like, what's your next? Um. I mean, I don't know. They've all been kind of happening, so we haven't made like a huge. Like, I want to play Red Rocks. That'd be nice to play oh, this year. Oh, that is a gorgeous venue. That's a big one. Um, I'd like to have a really successful headlining tour, maybe selling out like, you know, 150 to 300 cap rooms across the country. That's a good starting point. Um, you know, if you can sell 300 person rooms across the whole country, you're on you're on the right track for sure. Yeah. And then then you said the next goal, I want to sell out 500 cap rooms across the country and. And then, you know, like the avalanche effect is a real thing, like I said. And, but for now, I mean, like, you know, I'd love to go on tour with Sally Stupid. That'd be awesome. Um, but I love Pepper so much, and we're going on tour with them. And that's incredible. So, I don't know. We're kind of like, it's almost like we're moving faster than I can almost, like I'm barely keeping up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like I have like a whole lot of lull time where I'm like creating like this master plan of what I want to do next. It's like... It's just we're very fortunate. So it's more like, what am I doing tomorrow? Kinda. Yeah. Or where do I have to be? You know what I mean? Or fuck, I got to get back to these people's emails or text messages. Like sometimes you just gotta like shut it down for a minute. Yeah. And I always feel bad. I, I can't even do that without feeling guilty sometimes because on a day to day basis, there's people that I need to get back to who I love and respect and. You know what I mean? So and yeah, and you're like, oh, I'll get back to him, and then three I days. Like, I feel like maybe I'm just in the thick of it. I'm yeah. just, I'm just so, I'm in the thick of it, and it's just a day to day constant. And I think you need to do that in order to keep growing too. You can't have a whole lot of lull time. Lull time is not good. Like <laughs> you want to be too busy. <laughs> <laughs> so Thanksgiving roll around, we can't do much during Thanksgiving. We can't run events, and you know people are busy. And I'm like, I have like four days off and nothing to do. And everyone's like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, that's fucking terrible. I'm like, I'm going to be so bored. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I mean, I need, I could use a week of just sleep and family time, but. How long know. is it before you get bored? Where you're like, I got to go do something. If I, I mean, if I had a week of just nothing but sleeping and family time, I start getting the itch of like, okay, I need to go play a show or I need to like start being proactive, productive, you know, but. I mean, I'm always on. Like it's you when you're in a when you're in a band, you're on tour, which means twenty four seven. Even when you're sleeping, you're on tour working. You're yeah. not sleeping well. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's like when you get home, you need to like recharge your battery a little bit. And um, but at the same time, you get used to 
feeling successful, which is an amazing thing to feel. It's it's really great to feel successful for yourself. Yeah. And so when you recharge your batteries, you want to keep feeling successful. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, yeah. You know what I mean? You, you don't want that to go away. Right. Yeah. Um, how much has YouTube affected you guys? Is that something like you really, uh, you know, you got the new, um, I don't, actually, I don't know how new it is now, but Meridian. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that was last fall or something. It's been, um, I don't really know. We have all, we have analytics. Our manager, Reed, like loves to nerd out over like the analytics of things like Spotify, and yeah. YouTube. I, a lot. I mean, we have like um, Meridian, another, um, we released it on another YouTube channel and I think it has like 2 million views right now. And the I think the video is doing well. I honestly haven't checked it. And you guys have uh, like a live show at the Sugar Shack? Sugar Shack. I love the Sugar Shack. Where's that? That's down in Bonita Springs, Florida. Like yeah. Southern Florida. Everybody that works at Sugar Shack is so on point and awesome. Um, and that is something that I loved to do. We did our Sugar Sack session and then they asked if we would want to release it as an EP with them. And I, I'm stoked we did that. Oh, so like the, it's a, a venue and they wanted to release your EP? Is that? So it's a, yeah, it's a venue. It's an outdoor venue down in uh, Bonita Springs where artists come by and they do acoustic versions of their albums. Mm-hmm. And basically then they put them up as like a YouTube clip, like once a week. Yeah. But it's like, you know, once every two or three weeks, they do another premiere for you. Mm-hmm. And then um, sometimes, I don't know what how they choose who, but they ask if, if you want to do an EP and put out, you know, your sessions as um, an EP for people. It's like, you know, acoustic versions. Right. And I think that's something we're tapping into that's really um, going to be strong for us as well. Giving people like the acoustic version of the songs is a different kind of ticket it's a different show yeah and um i gotta give a huge shout out to levitate um we have so much love for each other and levitate has been like hooking us up putting us on the festival and we've done we sold out three um shows this fall in their backyard it's like 300 people or 200 people or something a night i don't know what that's like there is it's a restaurant rexicon they just opened up their taco shop and they have slack tide coffee right there um what the hell are we just talking about uh, YouTube in general. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I shout out to Levitate. Um, at Levitate, we took an idea from Sugar Shock, and the third day, because we had sold out the first two days in like thirty-four minutes. All Holy the tickets shit! Were gone, or something like it was like an hour, under an hour or something. Yeah. And maybe Friday was thirty-four minutes, and like the second day was like under an hour or something like that. But um, the third day, obviously, we were gonna do because like it's a no brainer. People right. are going to come and but how do you change it up? So the first night we did the first album, second night we did the second album. So what do we do for the third night to make it different? You could either play all the songs like, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I was like, Hmm, let's do an acoustic day. Yeah. Let's, and they were like, so on board They're like, let's make it earlier. Let's have it start like one and we'll do like a brunch. And so they did burritos, which they normally just do tacos yeah. and like bloody Mary's mimosas. And we sold out the brunch day and it was, super cool and a lot of people reached out and were like hey i almost enjoyed or i did enjoy the acoustic versions more than the like full band thing which the whole band the full band plays on the acoustic right. things too but just the vibe of it mm-hmm. and so it's been opening our eyes to like man maybe people will enjoy that too so you know if you sell at the paradise maybe we're also going to add another date on and it'll be like 
a different lineup of you know bands but like half the show will be acoustic and yeah it, it just gives a reason for people to want to come out and see something with a it, different flavor. it's just it's it i mean everybody wants to see their their favorite bands you know play but when it's something a little different i remember one of my favorite concerts i've ever been to was uh jane's addiction at i think it was in worcester mm-hmm. and they left the stage and you're like okay it's way too early for them to be like ending right. the show and then they started playing again, but they weren't on stage. And they had, like, a little stage set up in the middle. Uh, it's Jane's Addiction, so they're, like, stripper poles and whatever. <laughs> uh, and they did, like, a whole acoustic set, like, right in the middle of the general admission area. Right. And it was just so cool and kind of unexpected. That, right. That really... Just, it hits people. Yeah, it was great. Well, and it's like, how much did everybody love Nirvana's Unplugged? Oh, come on. I mean, In, yeah. in Utero is, is badass, but, like... That Come unplug on. sessions like that legendary. unplug session is so legend and yep. Eric Clapton's acoustic. Yep. That version of Layla, I mean, to me, I heard that acoustic version of Layla before I heard his like electric version of Layla. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um Yeah. I mean it's it's a legendary thing to kind of try and master. And it's like it, and again it pushes our band to try something different. How do how do we play it a little different? So it, you can't just play the same thing you'd play electric, you know what I mean? Yeah. When you come up with ideas like that, is it kind of like a all or nothing thing? Like, does it go to a band vote? Like, how do you? I mean, we 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 make the band a part of every vote. Yeah. Um, if if someone in the band has a good idea, and it's like kind of a no brainer, it's just kind of a no brainer. And in the, in those situations, like, there's no better idea. Like, no one had a better idea, so we're doing it acoustic. You know what I mean? Um. So you you have the store coming up for uh, the new EP with Pepper. Yeah. Uh, is there a city coming up that you haven't been to yet that you're really looking forward to? Seattle and showering Port- at their Planet Fitness. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle and Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you do? I'm assuming you guys have played in California. You would have had mm. to, right? Mm. Yeah, we played Cali Roots last year. We've done a couple tours through California. Um, we're flying out for One Love. Um coming up where we're touring with pepper through california we have other dates um for festivals we're gonna be flying back up to california again our management company is in california too oh okay yeah and um so yeah when you're out and about like do you ever get like recognized like around here like on, well i mean around <laughs> here you're from here but like yeah no not you haven't not had more. that like out in a sandwich shop and be like oh my god the jackson weather base i mean i think like more like around the south shore yeah <laughs> but uh no, I mean we're not not like that. I mean, like when we're on tour, we're we're grinding. You know what I mean? Like, this is definitely like our soup and nuts around here. When we go out on tour, we're still grinding and growing those markets. So yeah, uh, at shows maybe. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like at a show, people might be like, you know, I've heard people be like, I think that's a singer. I think that's <laughs> I'm getting a beer in front of them and like that's the guy I'm telling you. I'm telling and you, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I always turn around. And I'm like, what's up, guys? Like, <laughs> and I like give them a hug or a dap or whatever. And, yeah take a snap a photo with them and that's always super cool like that people are are like whispering like they can't just come up and be like yo are you the singer <laughs> <laughs> um so i mean we, we mostly talked about like uh touring and stuff because that's kind of what you're in the middle of but how did how did it all start like you talked about your father uh playing vinyl records and stuff is he musical too is his musical family or no i'm really the only musician in my family um my family always loved music. My mom always used to blast tunes. And um, it just all started, I don't know. I don't know how it started. I just, 
I loved music and I, you know, I used to sing. I was in big musicals and plays. When I moved to Duxbury, I really, um, when I was younger, I always wanted to play the drums, so I started on the drums, and then I, had the, I took some lessons, and I played bass. When I moved to Duxbury, I wanted to just learn covers of my favorite bands, and I wanted to start writing my own music, and so I just started, and I don't know, I guess I just never looked back. I went to college for, like, Italian opera. For Italian opera? Yeah, I went on, like, a, a scholarship for a little bit before I almost got signed to Universal Records, and um, just to stay college. Why, why opera? State. I, to be honest... I, I mean, a, opera and reggae. I mean, I'm that's not a stupid big, question, right? I'm not a big fan of opera, but my teacher, Gwen Souza, was um, growing up, I used to take uh, voice lessons. Yeah. And she would train me classically. And um, it's just something where they were giving me a scholarship for for college. And so I was like, okay, I guess. And like, you know, honestly. I guess I'm an opera singer. No, <laughs> no, that never happened. In my head, I was thinking like, okay, I can probably like, get a lot of my gen eds out of the way yeah. while I'm on the scholarship for opera and then just switch it over to business and like minor in music or something that was like going to be my plan. Yeah. Um, I don't like listen to opera at home. I don't, I don't know a lot of like Pavarotti. I'm pretty, I've heard of him. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not very knowledgeable on the yeah. subject. I honestly, she would give me pieces to learn and I was pretty good at mimicking and I would go home and I'd, you know, research a little bit what I was talking about, but you, you just learn the, Learn the phrasings. I don't speak Italian or anything like that. Or German. Do you feel like looking back that, you know, you hear about like these musicians being like, oh, I was forced to play piano or whatever. Like, do you, are you really thankful for that kind of operatic I wanted, background? I wanted, to, it's nothing I, my mom never pushed me or my dad never pushed me to yeah. do that. You know what I mean? It's, um, I don't think you should push kids to do things they don't want to do. Maybe sometimes you should, but like, as far as something like that's a passion, like a music thing. Yeah. You should provide ample um, opportunities for them to fall in love with those kind of things and support them if they want to take lessons or get them into lessons and see how they like it or whatever. But you shouldn't push your kids to do something they hate because I know so many people who like fell out of love with wanting to play music because their parents made them take piano lessons. And like, you know, friends who've never talked about it in their life and they sit down and they play a piece by Bach and you're like, like Brian, like, what the hell you play piano? And he's like, I hated it. My mom made me take lessons my whole life. And I'm like, you're an amazing <laughs> piano player. I'm like, what if he didn't have that whole like pressure and stigma? About right. him? Maybe he would have like been creating some shit that people needed to hear. I don't know. You know what I mean? But you, you, it's you, a fine line between like giving them encouragement and kind of, I'm not saying making them stick, but kind of stop pu- st- pushing stop them choking through, it down their pu- throat. Yeah, pushing them through that day where they're like I just want to play video games been like you know it's it's and there but there's a healthy balance like yeah I have my son William who's six years old sometimes he just wants to play video games and he's like nope like we're not doing that right now we're gonna go do this but find something fun for them to do instead and of course kids are temper temper tantrums and stuff oh sure obviously there's a fine line like you know I had some friends growing up with who their parents made them practice for like four hours a day you know what I mean like and and I'm like what like he's clearly not going to want to do this when he hits college later and he has all the freedom without you like yapping down his neck he's going to like implode right right like <laughs> he's going to be like no one's watching me and i can do whatever the hell i want right. and that's, and those so, kids usually and that's when yeah. they drop out of school and like you're like what happened to him yeah <laughs> uh so you have a kid yeah uh is he showing inclination to music or? Mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah he loves um he loves to sing 
Um, every time I pull out a guitar, he likes to come over. Every, since he was a little kid, he likes to take a finger and learn. Strum that, yeah. Yeah, and he makes little beats on the iPad. And, oh, nice. But it's like I'm not pushing it too much. I'm kind of like letting it happen a little bit. Yeah. You know, if he wants to play some guitar, like his finger, his hand, little hands are starting to get big enough where I can maybe like teach him some chords. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know. I was just talking about this the other day. My son on his first uh, list to Santa, it was, it was a couple of weird things, you know, standard things. And then there was a hat and rock and roll. Oh <laughs> and it's like, do you want a CD? I just want rock and roll. And you're like, all right. <laughs> Greatest answer of all time. Yeah, it's so great. And so um, do you buy some Van Halen records or something? Um, I think we bought them kind of like a mixed CD of like varied, you know, classic rock stuff. Because yeah. you know, it's rock and roll. Like yeah. you want them to kind of start with a variety. And I mean, the kid's very smart, and uh, but he's always got that kind of love of music. He plays saxophone, right? But he does it because he likes to. Yeah. And like he, he's not looking as a career, but he's you know it's just fun for him. Cool. So and he's getting too old now. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, I wish William would stop growing. Uh, it doesn't happen. I know. Uh, I've asked him repeatedly, and mm-hmm. he's uh, halfway through his senior year now. So oh man, yeah, yeah. When William started like saying words properly, like in, instead of saying like he would sit now says movies. But he used to be like, want to watch a Moosey's? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're so cute, right? And now you. he's like, Dad, you want to watch a movie? I'm like, man, can't go back to when you were like, you know what I mean? I'll tell you the, the day that pissed me off the most was uh, I used to uh, bring him to the neighbor. She would, like, watch him during the day uh, between the time I left for work and my, my wife would come home. And, you know, every day he'd leave. He'd be like, don't go. And, like, tears and, you know, the, the kid thing. And then one day I'm like, all right, buddy, it's time for me to go. And he's like, all right, bye. I'm like, no, you get back here and cry and be right. mad that I'm right. leaving. Right. Yeah, it was, oh, like just pulled at my heartstrings. I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's just getting so old. And now six months away from being an adult. Yeah. It's crazy. That's why people always say like cherish those days. Man. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because, because it, it's flip-flops. They need you so much and, and they need snuggles and everything. And then yeah. one day they just don't. And you're like, wait a minute. I need it now. And then, yeah, and then, like, six years later, you're like, I can't even program my goddamn phone and, like, oh, give it to me. <laughs> I hope I'm, like, one of those cool grandparents that, like, t- my grandmother was the kind of lady who, like, I didn't know what I was doing on my iPhone, and she'd be like, give it here. Let me show you. Oh, really? She was badass. Oh, yeah. that'd be awesome. I hope that. I don't feel like that's going to be the case. I feel like I'm going to have to, like, bring things to my son's house and be like, I can't get it to work, and he plugs it in, and I'm like, oh. That's how Okay, I, that's yeah, it. Right. Oh, so that goes there, right. Um <laughs> But uh, this has been so so much fun. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me, man. Like I said, I, we've met way, way back, and I've seen you around town. It's nice to actually sit and talk with you. Um, so you're going to play a song for us, but, like, one song because you said you've been struggling with it. Oh, we have to talk about your miracle cure. For voice. For voice. This is, like, groundbreaking news. Okay. Um, well, I think you just need to come down to Dirty Water Distillery. <laughs> and get yourself a, a big sexy um neat or she makes a bachelor whiskey <laughs> or you can get yourself a uh a killer gin and uh gin and wait not gin and ginger what is it uh, what am i drinking right now <laughs> <laughs> the moscow mules aren't bad oh the the limoncello oh Oh, and okay, so this is a funny story. You're talking about the Rangoon. Yeah, I'm like, what are we talking about? This is not I what I was. I'm like, what are we, <laughs> where is this going? 
<laughs> so, <laughs> like, it's awesome that you're plugging where we're recording because I totally <laughs> forgot to. <laughs> right over my head. Yeah. Um, so here's a little secret for the next EP, everybody. If you're loving my my milky vocals on this next EP, just know right that now you got kind of like that raspy phone sex thing going on. Hey, how are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just. Just uh, think about this. Every time I went to go sing, my voice was pretty raspy because I was sick when I was having to record these vocals. And I, um, we ordered some uh, pad thai and rangoons. And I ate a rangoon and I went up to go do a vocal take. And I was like, fine. And so I ordered another big order of rangoons. And basically every 10 minutes, I would just eat another crab rangoon and my voice would be fine. And then it would start getting dry and kind of raspy again. And so I'd just eat another rangoon. And so that's what got me through this next EP. I'm going to take up singing just so I can eat like a shit ton of crab rangoon. And be yeah. like, it's for work. And whiskey and ginger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> drinking is not really something that I need to take something up to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I came back uh, not feeling the best after a week of eating crab rangoon <laughs> every day. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Uh, so what song are you going to play for us? I'm going to play our song off Defy Gravity called Gonna Shine. I'm playing it because it's um, the singer uh, Brett, the bass player from Pepper. It's his favorite song. By oh, us. nice. So um, as a tribute to the tour we're going on, this one's for you, Brett. And um, where can people go online to find out more? I'm assuming yeah, you guys just have hit our Instagram. Just check out The Elevators, E-L-O-V-A-T-E-R-S, TheElevators.com, you know, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal. Everywhere music can be found. Everywhere. And go check them out because they're coming to your town probably. Probably. If you have a plan of fitness, they'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) Bring us Rangoons. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Thank you.
gonna shine. You're gonna shine, gonna shine, gonna shine. Thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.